Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Let me ask you, are you not not your wife, not your husband, not the person sitting next to you, not the person sitting behind you or in front of you, but you yourself. Are you willing and absolutely open for God to remove all semblances of comfort and safety from you and your family in order that he might be glorified through it all? The story of Mary and Joseph is a great example that things may not always go as we plan, but that we can always trust God and that He is in control. How willing are we to allow God to take control of our lives? In today's edition of The Open Word, Pastor David will ask some hard questions concerning who is truly the Lord of our lives. He will encourage us that surrendering our will to the Lord is the hardest thing to do, but also the most rewarding thing we can do in our lives. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, a life of surrender. It could have been a huge entourage of a a large camel train coming in with all of these. Or it could have been as few as two wise men. Number one, we know that it was more than one because the Bible speaks of it in a plural sense. But beyond that, we don't know. What we do know is that whatever number, whether it be 50 or whether it be two, the wise men presented gifts. So next time we have a Christmas pageant, We don't need just three wise men. Maybe we can get all of the youth to be the wise men, whatever way we want to go. They presented three gifts. Gold, the gift to give to a king, a present of of, of great value to one that has a distinguished rank. They also gave to him frankincense. Again, frankincense was used in the duties of the priest, burning this frankincense as they went around about the ceremony and the rituals within the temple. They also gave myrrh. Myrrh, an interesting spice, most often used in the burial process for embalming the dead, but also used as a sweet-smelling perfume. It was also used in a third way. When mixed with wine, it had a numbing effect, uh, kind of to dull the senses and to lessen physical pain. Again, we see these uses of it. These gifts were given, I believe, prophetically, With or without the understanding of the Magi, I believe that God had them present these gifts to the one who is king, priest, and sacrificed. These gifts were given to the one who is the greatest of gifts that was given to them, he who was given as the redemption for mankind. Look at verse 12, and verse 12 says that 
after they had given these gifts, then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed from their own country another way. When did that happen? It happened a week later? Did they hang around for a few days and kind of tour Jerusalem and go down? I believe that it happened that very night, personally. I believe that they, they came and they presented their gifts to the Christ child. And while they were presenting their gifts to the Christ child, the rest of their entourage probably setting up their camp somewhere away. They didn't stay in that home. They, they, they went and they would have presented the gifts and they would have left and gone to their camp to where their tents were set up. And then as they went to sleep that night, the word of God says they were divinely warned in a dream not to return to Herod and they departed for their own country another way. Again, personally, speculation here. They probably got up that next morning and says, hey, we're not going back to Jerusalem, by the way. We're going to go another way. Instead of going northeast back into Jerusalem, why don't we go southeast, go around the bottom of the Dead Sea before we head on back home? Again, it could have been that very night, but one thing we know, they never returned back to Jerusalem because they knew that Herod was deceiving them. They found their way home through a different route. Look at verse 13 now. Now when they, the wise men, had departed, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother, when? By night, and departed for Egypt. Could this have been the same night or the next night? I believe it was very close time. I believe it was very soon that, again, the Lord warned Joseph. And as soon as Joseph got that warning, that very night, they packed up what they had and they left. Now, you need to understand, too, that Joseph and Mary, they didn't have very much. Remember, they came in uh, uh, as, as, as uh, pilgrims from Nazareth down for the census there in Bethlehem. They did not carry very much. I don't believe that they added to them a whole lot of things while they were there. Of course, they had to have a, uh, a secure babysitter seat to make the uh, trip back and all those things and the diaper bag and all those things. But that, that was pretty, you know, you grab that and now they go down to Egypt. Making light of this, but in reality, their life was dangerous at that point in time. You see, Herod wasn't just king of Jerusalem. He was king of that whole region of Galilee. They understood and they knew, I believe, that their life was in danger. And I believe in the midst of that, if there were people like you and I with the thoughts and the processes that you and I would have, I believe they'd be thinking, you know, this, this last two years of our lives, it's, it's, it's been pretty inconvenient. Pretty inconvenient. Here we are, a man and a woman desiring to serve the Lord, doing all that we know right to do, and our life has been turned and twisted and brought in directions we could have never, ever imagined in our wildest dreams. After all, Mary had been found pregnant without the advantage of completing the marriage ceremony. Very inconvenient. Very difficult, particularly at that time. When we look, how do you explain these things? Oh, sure, by God, right. 
Remember again the, the journey she took. She's, after she knew that she was to be conceived by the Holy Spirit, she went and visited Elizabeth for three months. She came back, undoubtedly probably showing at that point in time. Joseph who says, hey, man, she's pregnant. Uh, wait a minute, she must have been unfaithful to me. He was going to, again, uh, put her away privately, not wanting to stone her as the law required. He was going to put her away privately. But again, the angel of the Lord says, no, take her to your wife because that that's conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph, again, is, is out of his plan, out of his hope of the future, he takes Mary as his wife. And she continues on with the development of the baby. And then they're forced to travel from Nazareth down to Bethlehem during those latter months of Mary's pregnancy. A dangerous and a long journey for anyone, but now her in this latter stage of pregnancy, even more so. Nothing that you would have planned, nothing that you would have designed, but somehow God is causing these things to happen. And then once they got there, they weren't able to find sufficient accommodations at the time. And so this child, their first child, this special child, had to be laid in a manger wrapped in strips of cloth. Now their life and the life of their child was being threatened by the ruling government of the time, the one who ruled over that entire region. So as they planned to go back home to Nazareth, Instead, they had to flee to an unknown land, a foreign country with a different language, different religion, and even different food. And then on top of that, they had no idea how long they were going to have to be there. God had foretold these events about his birth and all the situations that we're going to look at. He had foretold all these things in the prophets. Through Isaiah, God had declared in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, he says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The scripture also tells us that Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem because it had been prophesied in Micah. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 declares, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel. God had given Hosea the prophecy Again, directed by the Holy Spirit to write these things out, that Joseph and his family would have to travel to Egypt. Why? Because God had declared through Hosea in Hosea 11.1, 1, out of Egypt, I called my son. Now we get back here to Matthew. We understand the, that they were there then until the death of Herod there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt I called my son. Let me take the balance of this time to ask you a few questions. A few questions that hopefully will cause you to take what we know about the birth of Christ and the events that surrounded his birth in these first few months. Let me ask you this. How willing are you to allow God to pull the rug of your own self-reliance out from underneath you? How willing are you to allow God to do that? How willing are you to allow God to bring you personally 
to a place that's totally out of your control? How willing are you to allow God to turn your life inside out and upside down in order that he might accomplish his purposes through you? See, all of these things is what happened to Mary and Joseph. And anywhere along the line, if Mary or Joseph were to say, no, that's enough. We've struggled enough in this. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the end run is. I'm not willing to go that distance. But yet God said, do this and go there. And they were willing to do that. Let me ask you, are you not not your wife, not your husband, not the person sitting next to you, not the person sitting behind you or in front of you, but you yourself. Are you willing and absolutely open for God to remove all semblances of comfort and safety from you and your family in order that he might be glorified through it all? And then lastly, Are you willing and able to praise him even in the midst of that? I know that's more than a couple of questions, but. But the reality is that the true answer to all of those questions comes from only one aspect of our lives. And that one aspect of our lives is who is Lord of our lives? You see, if I'm Lord of my life, I'm going to make sure that all my I's are dotted, all my T's are crossed. I'm not going to take a step forward if it's going to take me out of comfort, out of what I plan, what I desire. But if the Lord is truly Lord of my life and I feel him calling and moving and directing in an area, then I've got to be willing to say, Lord, I don't understand it. It makes no logical sense to me. Just like Joseph and Mary, why in the world do I have to take my pregnant wife back down to Bethlehem? And all the other events that that took place in their life. But am I willing to say, Lord, I'll go where you call me to go. Surrendering your will is the hardest thing you and I will ever do in our lives. But it's also the most rewarding thing in our lives. A.W. Tozer wrote these words. He says it's doubtful whether God can truly bless a man to the fullest until he has hurt him deeply. It's doubtful whether God can bless a man to the fullest until he has hurt him deeply. Why? Because you've got to be willing to let go of everything in order that Christ might be all in everything. Remember, Job said in the midst of all of his troubles, though he slay me, yet shall I serve him? He didn't know what the end course was going to be. All he knew was the troubles that he was in at that point in time. And in the midst of that, he was able to worship the Lord. In the midst of all of his doubts and all of his concerns, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. 
King David surrounded by all of his enemies. His very life in the balance was the one who wrote those words that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because his rod and his staff, they comfort me because he is with me. And that's the comfort David had. Remember the story of the four Hebrew children in the book of Daniel. The four Hebrew children, they had been taken away from home and all the comforts of home and had brought, been brought into Babylonian captivity. And while they're there in Babylonian captivity, Nebuchadnezzar builds this huge gold statue and says, hey, whenever you hear the music playing, you need to bow down and worship. And yet these four Hebrew children, because they worship the one true God, they determined in their own hearts, you know what? We'll face the circumstances, but we cannot bow down to an idol. We cannot bow down to this pagan statue. And so Nebuchadnezzar had them arrested and brought them before him and said, I'll give you one more chance. We're going to start the band up. And as soon as the band starts playing, you need to bow down one more time. Otherwise, we're going to throw you in this fiery furnace and your life will be gone. What was the response to Nebuchadnezzar? They said, our our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Understand this. Their first thought, their first understanding is, no, God will not allow us to go into that fiery furnace. God's not going to allow that to happen in our lives. We believe that wholly and truly, king, so we can't do this. But listen to what else they said. But if not, in other words, if God doesn't deliver us from the furnace... It says, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. They determined in their own life that they would live their lives for the glory of God, not bow down to any other image, regardless of what it costs them in life, in future, in comfort, or any other way. Peter and John, in obedience to the Holy Spirit, going to the temple, there's a lame man there. They, they, they're just led by the Holy Spirit to reach out their hands. Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give to you. They reached down, grabbed the lame man. He leaped to his feet, and the crowds around saw that, and they began to, again, just, man, they were, they were overwhelmed, and so they began to press upon Peter and John, thinking that there was something powerful in them. Peter and John says, hey, it's not us. It's not us. Why are you looking at us as though we're something different? No, it's Jesus Christ, the one who was recently crucified. It's through his might and it's through his power that this man who was lame is now walking. And so suddenly they began preaching Christ to the multitudes. Again, available to be used by God for whatever. And God uses them not only in the healing of this lame man, but now to be able to, again, spread the truth of the gospel to a multitude of people. Great if that was the end of the story and multitudes came to Christ. But that's not the end of the story, is it? They got arrested for that. God, I was doing what I thought you wanted me to do. And they get arrested for it. Are you willing to stand on the, on the consequences of doing the right thing? Because, beloved, if the Lord should tarry for very long, I believe that sometimes, in, even in our nation, doing the right thing may get us in a lot of trouble. And are we willing to stand for the consequences of that? Remember, they were brought before the Jewish court. And the Jewish court told them, don't you ever speak in that man's name 
again. Otherwise, you will face imprisonment. Do you remember what their words were? They said, rather it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God you judge. For we cannot speak the things, but for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We're going to continue on. And if we get arrested, then so be it. We could go on and on with the lives of so many. Stephen was stoned for the sake of the gospel. And yet as they stoned him, he cried out, Lord, don't put the charge against them for this sin. That was the heart of that man. The apostle Paul says, man, I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All of these issues. Beloved, when we follow Christ in a fullness and a completeness in our lives, sometimes it's going to be hard. It's going to be inconvenient. It can be costly. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense at all to family or to friends or to our culture. But there will be times in our Christian life when we need to be willing to walk that path and to walk a path where we don't see the end of the journey. I'll be honest with you, there's some, we won't know the reason for that journey in many cases until we're standing in glory. Lord, why are you bringing us through these things? Why are all these happening to us? In order that he might be glorified. The disciples ask Jesus, who sinned, Jesus, as they looked at the blind man? Was it this man? He was blind from birth, so that's kind of a weird question. But was it this man or was it his parents? Do you remember Jesus' answer? Jesus told them, neither one. It wasn't this man or was it the parents? But that I might be glorified in this. Whatever may be going on in your life, the life of a loved one, how you handle it and how you give glory to God in the midst of it is going to determine how you're able to stand. Your life being intercepted and interrupted by God. Every one of us go through interruptions, don't we? We, we make a plan, we make a direction, and all of a sudden this interruption comes. And if you're like me, the unfortunate thing is more often than not, I'm saying, oh man, that's not what I wanted to do or what I want to do. I can't do right now. Why? Instead of stopping and saying, you're not letting me go this. You're not letting me do that. You're not, you're, this isn't working or this event happened in our lives. Lord, help me to see you in the midst of this. Help me to see you, and in the midst of my personal disappointment, let me glorify and praise you. And beloved, I believe that when that is our heart, from the very core of who we are, then God's going to continue to use us and use us in a mighty and a powerful way. Are we willing? Are we available? And are we willing to give Him praise in the midst? Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. 
David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that the open word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word.